Galatians chapter 5. And uh, this morning, we know the Bible speaks of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to focus our attention upon the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then next Sunday, uh, we will be looking at some of the things that Scripture says about the gifts of the Spirit. So I want us to begin reading in chapter 5, verse 19. We're going to read through to verse 24. Paul writes this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Before we jump into the the, uh, meat of the fruit of the Spirit, Paul, as he contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit, gives us a warning in verse 21 that should grab our attention. He says this, Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do what things? The question that comes to our mind is, what things that if we do them, have the power to bar the gates of heaven to us? Power to block us from heaven, that we would not inherit the kingdom of God. Heaven. Hopefully, we might think that the doors of heaven are barred to those who do such terrible, horrible things that like torturing people, okay, or becoming an evil dictator, you know, or, or other horrible, evil things. And we're like, okay, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I can avoid that. Um, I understand that. But here's what gets our attention. Paul's list of heaven-barring acts includes things like anger, strife, envy, divisions. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever done anger? I have. Have you ever done strife and dissension? You know what dissension is? It's disagreement that turns into discord. Or another word for it is Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) I've done that. Have you done that? Have you ever envied anybody? Or committed idolatry? You know what idolatry is? If you say, well, yeah, I've never worshipped a wooden or stone figure in my house, so I'm good on there. Idolatry is putting anything ahead of God in our hearts and affections. I've done that, sadly. Have you done that? Man, I wish Paul's list, I mean, it's serious stuff he's got here, but 
I wish that the things that he says, those who do such things would be the, okay, I can avoid torture for the rest of my life. I can avoid torturing people. I'm good with that. But he's got things in there that are way too common. If Paul is saying anyone who does these things will never enter heaven, we're all doomed. We're all doomed. But that's not what Paul is saying. We need to put verse 21 back into its context so we can see what Paul is and what he isn't saying here. So first I want to begin with some good news. All right. The good news is this. We are qualified to enter the kingdom of heaven only by faith in Jesus Christ. Period. Done. End of sentence. Not by anything we do and not by anything we don't do. I want you to think with me for a moment of the thief on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. He was a thief. That's part of his name. And he's hanging on the cross and he looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This thief is not able to do anything. He's not able to change his life. He's not able to right any wrongs he's committed. He's not able to stop treating people badly or start treating people better. He's not able to even, he's not able to do anything. He is nailed to the cross. He, his hands are empty except for the nails that have shredded his palms. He has nothing to give and no changes he can make and nothing he can do to offer Jesus except to trust in Jesus. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. I'm going to do more than remember you. I'm going to escort you into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to escort you into my kingdom based on what that this man does. Nothing except trust in Jesus Christ. And when it comes to our salvation, we come with our hands nailed to the cross, nothing to offer Jesus except trusting in him for salvation. And that's enough. Trusting Jesus is enough. So I want, you to, I want that good news to permeate the deepest parts of your heart. I, I want that to sink in deeply. God has given you salvation through faith in Christ. God has given you forgiveness of your sins through faith in Christ. God has made you his child and given you eternal life through Jesus Christ. God has given you the kingdom. And Jesus says, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I want that, let that sink into our souls what we have, our salvation, that day that we enter the kingdom of heaven, that Paul says, those who do such things shall never inherit the kingdom of heaven. That day we walk in those gates and are escorted in and welcomed by Jesus will not be based on anything we do or don't do except faith in Christ. So when Paul talks about those who do the works of the flesh, some of your Bibles maybe say practice such things. When he says those who do the works of the flesh, contrasting the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit, what Paul has in mind isn't individual sinful actions. Those are what Jesus died to forgive us of. What Paul has in mind goes deeper than what we do. It speaks to who we are, what we are. 
works of the flesh and fruit of the spirit goes to the core of our hearts, of our character, of our nature. And that's what God has changed. You see, the thief on the cross, he couldn't do anything to earn the kingdom of God. But God did something in him in that moment. God did something in him. He wasn't able to show it in any tangible way as he trusted in Jesus. But in that instant, he was a changed man. He was a changed man. Not only did God give him a new eternal destiny, God gave him, the Holy Spirit gave him a new heart, a new nature. The fruit of the Spirit was beginning to bud in his heart, even as he hung on that cross, but he couldn't do anything with it because he was nailed to a cross. But he, if he could have gotten down from that cross, he would not have been the same man because the Spirit of God had changed him. So here's what we want to remember. The fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit's work to change us from the inside out. The fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit working on us to change who we are, what we are, our nature, from the inside out. Consider what fruit is. Fruit is the outward evidence of an inward nature. Why does an apple tree bear apples? Because its nature is the nature of an apple tree. You could staple pears to the branches of an apple tree, but that, that's not fruit. An apple tree bears apple apples, which bear then more apples. A tomato plant bears tomatoes, which then bear more tomatoes. An oak tree, an oak tree. Creeping Charlie, Creeping Charlie. I've got a problem with Creeping Charlie in my backyard. It's on my mind. You can go right down the line. Every living thing. Dogs produce dogs. Cats produce cats. People produce people. Jesus applied this truth when he's speaking of the nature of a person. He says a good tree will produce good fruit. A bad tree will produce bad fruit. The nature of the tree... The nature of the tree determines the type of fruit it bears. So an evil person can do a good thing. A good person can do a bad thing. But that evil person will never bear, their life will not bear good fruit. And a good person will not bear bad, evil fruit. We're not talking about the individual acts. We're talking about the nature and then the fruit that comes from the nature. The nature determines the fruit. And so just to repeat that, the fruit of the Spirit isn't primarily the Spirit changing what we do. The fruit of the Spirit is primarily referring to the Spirit's work changing who we are. And if you are a Christian, the Lord has given you a new heart. He's given you a new nature. That's a heart that wants to obey God. It's a heart that wants to please God. There is a struggle. We'll talk about that in a minute. But that is in you if you are a believer. That is in you. Now, when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, here's a beautiful thought for us. The fruit of the Spirit reveals to us the inward nature of God. We're talking the nature of the fruit reveals the nature. 
The fruit of the Spirit reveals who God is. When we look at this list of nine fruits, and it's not exhaustive, but when we look at this, we wonder, who is God? What's God like? Look at the fruit. Because the fruit of the Spirit reveals, it's not prime, but we don't first apply it to us and say, well, God wants us to be. This is who God is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, because you know what? God is love. To the core of his infinite being, God is love. God is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy because God is a joyful God. He is overflowing with joy. If you have a picture in your mind of God being this sour-faced, glum God who's always unhappy and always uptight and always and hates, you've got the wrong God in your mind. God is God overflows with delight and joy. Look at what he's done. You know, I don't know, I saw this recently and it just amazed me, but God has built into babies the knowledge of smiling and laughing. Parents, you don't have to teach your baby to smile when they're happy. It's not like, boy, you know, we're doing fun things, but they're crying as a form of happiness. No. They, they, they smile like when they're just, what, a few months old. They're smiling. And they start laughing. God put that in there. You know why? God invented smiles. He invented laughter. And he implanted it in us from the very beginning. I think animals can smile too. I've seen dogs that are smiling. God put that in to our being because it's like a little taste of who God is. God is smiling and laughing. Jesus was smiling and laughing. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when he's not. But God's heart overflows with infinite joy. That's why we don't, nobody ever wrote a song, glumly, glumly, we adore thee. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. We can sing joyful songs to God because he is joyful. And he wants his people to be joyful. So he gave us a fruit called joy. And we could go through the whole list. Who is God? He's patient. He's gentle. He's kind. Go through the whole list. What's God like? He's like that. The fruit of the Spirit reveals the nature of God. And so the fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit's work to change us from the inside out to be more like Jesus. To be more like God. Not just changing behavior, but changing our hearts so that loving actions come from a heart that's filled with love, the love of Christ. Kindness that comes from a heart that's filled with the kindness of God. God has given you a new nature. God has given you a new heart. But Galatians 5 tells us very clearly that new nature is not alone. There's an old nature struggling against it. You ever feel that? There is a war going on inside every believer. The flesh opposes the spirit. The spirit opposes the flesh. This war is going on. The flesh is the old man. And it is the desires that of, for evil, for sin, for bad, for wrong, for rebellion, for, for just going disobeying God. It's those desires and passions that want what are wrong, what are offenses, what are rebellion, what are sin. That is the war. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is going to win, ultimately, in every believer. I want you to look with me again at verses 22 through 24. Paul writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things, pay attention to this, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does Paul mean when he says, against such things there is no law? There is no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Does that mean that the fruit of the Spirit is above the law? Or that the fruit of the Spirit negates the law? That we can do anything we want as long as we have the fruit of the Spirit? In a sense, yes. Yes, in a sense, you can do anything you want as you walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Because in verse 24, Paul says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We are crucifying the desires that want what we should not want. The power of sin resides in corrupted desires and passions. Nobody sins because they have to. Nobody sins like, I don't want to do this, but I'm obligated to sin. We sin because we want to. Temptation, you know what temptation, it's all about hooking what? Your desire. I want that. That's what temptation is. I want what I shouldn't have, what I shouldn't want. That's what sin is. So, if sin hooks our desires and the power of sin is our desires, then we come to the law. And the law is good. The law is good. It's given by God. It's all good. The problem isn't with the law. The problem is with us. The law, because of our sin, doesn't stir up an obedience to God. It stirs up a desire to sin against God. Paul says in Romans that, we wouldn't even know what coveting was until we got the law. It says, do not covet. And all of a sudden, we want to covet. It stirs up the wrong desires because the law has no power to change our nature, our desires. The law has no power to enable us to obey the law. So here's what the fruit of the Spirit comes. It doesn't come along and void the law. It changes our nature so that the law is no longer necessary. It's no longer necessary. Let me illustrate. Every state, I think every state in America, has old laws on the book that are no longer enforced, but they're still on the books. For instance, in Alabama, take note of this, it's illegal to make someone laugh in church by wearing a fake mustache. Okay? So in Alabama, don't do that. In Missouri... It is illegal, these are real laws, it is illegal to drive with an uncaged bear in your car, okay? I think we have a photo. That obviously wasn't taken in Missouri, because it's perfectly legal to do that here. In Illinois, it's illegal to give your dog a cigar. I think we have a picture of a dog with a cigar as well, just so you see. Okay, that is illegal in Illinois. Don't do it. All right? New York State, it's illegal to, ha to carry an ice cream cone in your pocket on a Sunday morning. 
okay? It is. Now, most people don't know these laws exist, and yet people rarely break these laws. You don't see dogs walking around with stogies hanging out of their mouths all the time. We're not breaking that law. How, how often do you see a bear sitting in the passenger seat of a car in Missouri? Or an ice cream cone. What I'm saying is these laws are here, but they're not necessary because do you have a desire to drive with a bear in your car, an uncaged grizzly? No, it's not a desire. So I don't need a law telling me not to do it. These laws aren't needed because we have no desire to break them. There is no law against the fruit of the Spirit because when we love, we'll have no desire to lie or steal or defraud, or bear false testimony. When our hearts are filled with the kindness of God, we don't need a law that says don't be cruel. We, we don't need a law that says it. Our hearts will have no desire to do it. When the fruit of the Spirit of forgiving is blossoming in our hearts, we don't need a law that says you don't need to take vengeance. You should not take vengeance on someone. We'll, we won't want to. We want to offer forgiveness. You see, the more of our hearts the Spirit has, the more we want to love and please and obey God, and the more the fruit of the Spirit has of our hearts, the more like Jesus we become, and the law is no longer necessary. Not because it's not good, but because our desires are in line. We don't need a law telling us not to. When we were in Arizona, the uh, hotel toilets had an, a very interesting sign. I mentioned it to Janice. Uh, it caught my attention. When you lifted the toilet seat um, up, it had a, a sign that, uh, warning us that the water used in the toilet was reclaimed water. So do not use for any other purposes. And I thought about that, and I thought, what other purposes do people use toilet water for? I mean, is it like, boy, if that sign wasn't there, I'd be brushing my teeth with that. I mean... Uh, you don't need a sign. I mean, I don't need a sign. I don't really think that sign was necessary. Toilet water stays in the toilet for bigger reasons than just that it's reclaimed water. The point is that sign wasn't needed. The new nature that the Spirit gives us relates in that way to the law. We want to, to love God first. We want to honor our mother and father. We want to do. We want to do. It's our hearts. Now, there's still a struggle. Our flesh is alive and kicking. It wars against the spirit. Our flesh wants to hurt and damage and envy and cause dis dissension and gossip. And God's answer for our flesh is to crucify it. It's not to rehabilitate. It's to crucify. It's to put these things to death. So when we, in real time, find that we want to hurt someone back because they hurt us, that's a real desire. And, and it's not that God says, hey, I want you to try to get that flesh under control. He says, you got to die to that. You got to put that to, that desire to hurt someone back, die to that. Yeah, but God, it's not easy. Dying's not easy. God, it hurts. Dying hurts. Crucifying the flesh hurts. But God gives grace because that death is actually a death to death and then God blossoms with life, fruit, in our lives. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's an ongoing battle. 
in our lives. That's an ongoing battle. So this fruit is the Spirit's work to change us from the inside out. Fruit also, and I want to close with these thoughts about fruit. It's not instant. It's not automatic. It needs to be cultivated. It needs to grow. That's what fruit does. Um, the work of the Holy Spirit to make our character more like Jesus doesn't happen in an instant. Fruit begins as a seed, and then it grows, and it matures, and it ripens. And our growth in, in the fruit of the Spirit is incremental. It's not instant. It's a lifelong growth and cultivating and, and maturing. So, so the question isn't, do I ever do anger? The question is, is patience and gentleness growing in my heart? Is it growing? Have you never found God gave you some fresh growth in an area and then you fell into the old thing? You were getting more patient and then something pushed your buttons and you got angry and you yelled and you said things. And here's what you need to know. Don't say, okay, well, now I do such things so I will never inherit. No, here's what you need to know. Ask God for forgiveness. That's, let Jesus' blood cover and forgive you and cleanse you. And say, Lord, let's continue to work on this fruit. Because it's incremental. It's growth. It's not instant. It's a lifelong process. But celebrate when you do see some growth. I am more patient than I was a year ago. I am more gentle. I have more love for people in my heart than I had a year ago. Celebrate the growth of the Spirit. Salvation is 100% of God's work for us, and we just believe in Him and receive it. But sanctification, growing in the fruit of the Spirit, is the Holy Spirit's work and our work. We teamwork. It's our effort and his effort. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. He won't do it without us. So growing fruit is an effort we are to make. So I want to encourage us to ask the Spirit to help us grow in the fruit of the Spirit right where we're planted, right where you're planted, right in the life that you're living right now. Ask the Lord to help you to grow in the Spirit and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit right where you're planted now in the relationships. Most of this has to do with relationships, the relationships that are in your life right now. Ask God to help you to be a more loving spouse, a more patient parent, a more um, humble or generous employee or employer, a more patient employer. Wherever you are at, a, a more faithful friend, is there, is there somebody that has offended you or somebody that has hurt you and their mind comes right to, you know, right to your mind, their face comes right to your mind? That's the ground the Lord has planted you in. That relationship, that hurt, whatever it is, is where the Lord wants to bear the fruit of forbearance and forgiveness. Is it going to be easy? No. Will it be a process? Probably. But say, Holy Spirit, help me to grow the fruit of forgiveness and kindness. Ask Him to do that, but then begin to work towards that end. Then begin to pray for them that God would bless that person rather than wish that they would get payback. You know what I mean? 
instead of think, boy, I wish that something bad would happen to them. I wish that they, you know, would get hurt the way they hurt me. Instead of those thoughts, which are flesh thoughts and desires, they're corrupt. Say, Lord, fill my heart with fruit desires. I want to pray you bless them. And then what do you do with the hurt? What do you do with the offense? What do you do with that? You die to it. You die to it. You die to it. You say, Lord, put my flesh to death. I want to bloom love. I don't want my life defined by, oh, I'm going to pay back that and I'm going to hurt that. That's dead end. That's dead end. There's no life in it. Say, Lord, I want to forgive. I want to love. I want to care. I'm not talking about being foolish, but that's a whole other message. But Lord, help me to die to the fleshly desires. And, and with everything, pride, cruelty, anything, God has planted you and me in relationships right now. Let's believe God to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our where we're planted right now. And then let's work towards that end. God in Christ has adopted you. God in Christ has given you his kingdom. God in Christ, the Holy Spirit, has given you a new nature, a new heart. Now begin to say, Lord, help do that in me, and begin to work towards growing that And then be encouraged and be patient with yourself just as you're patient with others. Let the process unfold. Have faith in God in that process. Don't give up on yourself. Don't get beat up on yourself. Have faith and patience and trust and see what God does in us. Let's pray together. Lord, I think of Philippians chapter 1, Paul says that he who began a good work in us shall be faithful to complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. We thank you. You began a good work in us. We didn't begin it in us. You began it in us. Lord, we we have no part to play in our salvation. Thank you for it. But we do have a part to play in our sanctification, in our growing of the fruit. I pray that each one right now will, will have just a sense of where life has them planted right now and the relationships, and particularly if a certain relationship is coming to mind right now, where they are, they're recognizing, I'm not being loving towards this person. I'm being unloving. Or I'm not being gentle and patient towards this person. I'm being harsh. Or I am holding unforgiveness in my heart towards this person. Lord, I pray that you will, you will give special grace now to die to the fleshly desire and to live to the God-like desire, the fruit of the Spirit. Bear it in us, and then may we bear much more fruit for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.